One, discuss the differences between historians and archaeologists while historians may help determine who has a legitimate claim to a piece of property or why a building should be preserved. Archaeologists often seek out and locate the historic sites and artifacts that historians study. Archaeologists depend on physical objects, artifacts, and focus on humans for their evidence. Historians rely on written records. 2. Know the Pangaea theory suggested that the tectonic plates forming the planet's outer crust slid over the inner layers until they emerged as a landmass surrounded by a massive ocean called Panthalassa. It was one continent and over time it shifted apart. 3. Know the out of Africa theory known as the out of Africa model is that Homo sapiens developed first in Africa and then spread around the world between 100 and 200,000 years ago, superseding all other hominid species. The implication of this argument is that all modern people are ultimately of African descent. 4. Know the two major developments for humans to migrate to the Western Hemisphere. 1. Advancements enabled humans to successfully live in extremely cold climates, and 2. Steady climate change reformed the geographical connection between Asia and North America, allowing humans to travel freely between Asia and the Western Hemisphere. 5. Know the difference between Paleo-Indian and Archaic Indian and Archaic Indian differentiates from Paleo-Indian because they become smaller bands. In other words, the Paleo-Indians were in large groupings. Archaic Indians would migrate with the animals rather than stay in one place like Paleo-Indians. 6. Know the overkill hypothesis or the big die-off and how it affected Paleo-Indians. Megafauna loss of Paleo-culture, small animals, gathering, replaced by diversity massive climate change had some to do with it. 7. Even though debated when did people start migrating to North America the first human beings to arrive in the Western Hemisphere emigrated from Siberia. 8. Know how agriculture changed life in the Americas permanent food source animal domestication, domestication plants maize. Corn had become a major staple that was developed in Mesoamerica that eventually spread through North America. 9. Know which culture had organized burial mounds and what was in the Medina people built hundreds of burial mounds radiating from central Ohio. In the mounds, the Adena usually included grave goods such as spear points and stone pipes as well as thin sheets of mica, a glass-like mineral, crafted into animal or human shapes. 10. Know the two most important features the woodland cultures utilize to enhance their hunter-gather lifestyle. The two most important features the woodland cultures utilize to enhance their hunter-gather lifestyle are agriculture and pottery. 11. Know the three major eastern woodland groups and what separated them. Eastern woodland peoples clustered into three broad linguistic and cultural groups. Algonquian, Iroquoian, and Muscogean Algonquian tribes inhabited the Atlantic seaboard, the Great Lakes region, and much of the upper Midwest. The relatively mild climate along the Atlantic permitted the coastal Algonquians to grow corn and other crops as well as to hunt and fish. Iroquois tribes occupied territories centered in Pennsylvania and upstate New York, as well as in the hilly upland regions of the Carolinas and Georgia. Their success in cultivating corn and other crops allowed them to build permanent settlements. Iroquois women headed family clans and even selected the chiefs, normally men, who governed the tribes and for purposes of war and diplomacy. Iroquoian tribes allied in the League of Five Nations, Muscogean peoples spread throughout the woodlands of the southeast, south of the Ohio River, and east of the Mississippi. Muscogeans inhabited a bountiful natural environment that provided abundant food from hunting, gathering, and agriculture. 12. Know the three major cultures of the southwestern cultures Mogollon, Hohokam, and Anasazi cultures. 13. Which one of the southwestern cultures resided in cliff dwellings and pueblos? Anasazi peoples built cliff dwellings and pueblos. 14. 
Know the Black Death and its good bad effects on the population of Europe. Bacterial infection disease, bubonic plague, mutated it caused a high fatality rate, originated in Eastern Asia or Central Asia. It spread quickly because of the trade route, silk route which brought the disease spread into Europe into Spain. 30 to 60% of the Earth's population were designated by this pandemic and created a major void. The Black Death killed at least a third of the European population. This catastrophe had major long-term consequences. It drastically reduced the population, making Europe's limited food supply more plentiful for survivors. Many survivors also inherited property from plague victims, giving them new chances for a better life east food shortages and stimulated economy exploration for the survivors exploration key to wealth and fortune and expansion kingdoms. Science and technology furthered exploration print, compass, sailing. 15. Who was the initial leader in exploration in Europe in the 15th Prince Henry the Navigator 16? Know the main factors that encouraged exploration and expansion in the 15th one. Trade with the East 2. European curiosity about the Asia 3. Wealth and ambition of new national states 4. Scientific progress 17. Know the technical advances that supported exploration invention of movable type by Johannes Gutenberg around 1450 in Germany made printing easier and cheaper. Print enormously expanded the diffusion of all kinds of information among literate Europeans such as Isabella and Columbus. By 1400, crucial navigational aids employed by maritime explorers like Columbus were already available. Compasses, hourglasses, and the astrolabe and quadrant. 18. Discuss why was Africa influencing exploration them being for the sake of their economy, religion and glory expeditions to Africa promised to capture wheat fields from their Moroccan owners and to obtain gold. 19. Know the Treaty of Tordesillas The 1494 treaty drew an imaginary line west of the Canary Islands, land discovered west of the line belonged to Spain, and land to the east belonged to Portugal essentially it was dividing the world in half. 20. Discuss the importance of Magellan's voyage Spain, Magellan's voyage took him first to the New World, around the southern tip of South America, and into the Pacific. Crossing the Pacific took almost four months, failed voyage would set focus on New World not old. New focus caused Colombian exchange goods people ideas the importance of Magellan's voyages that it made it clear that it was possible to sail west to reach the East Indies but it was a terrible way to go 21. Know the Colombian exchange and its effects in exchange of goods, people, and ideas between the old world animals and agriculture it shifted away the old world operated, and it shifted the new world because everything was new. The Colombian exchange is in full effect today it alters ecosystems 22. Know the concept guns germs and steel power and technology European had more access to things which were more dominated. 23. Know why Cortes was so successful in conquest of the Aztec civilization he was successful because they believed that a pale-skinned god would one day return for his lands and they thought that he was that god. He also used a slave that was given to him to interpret to make America populations that were uprising against the Aztec gold god and glory were what was driving conquest of the Americas 24. Discuss how Mexico's conquest served as a template for other nations in dealing with colonization. Gold God and glory were what was driving conquest of the Americas and that's how Mexico's conquest served as a template for other nations in dealing with colonization 25. Discuss the mixed races of Mexico mestizos, the offspring of Spanish men and Indian women, who accounted for 4 or 5 percent of the population peninsulares. People born on the Iberian Peninsula enjoyed the highest social status in New Spain. Below them but still within the white elite were Creoles, the children born in the New World to Spanish men and women. Peninsularers, Creoles and Mestizos they were built in the New World. 
26. Discuss how land was divided up by conquistadors and why most conquistadors received very little after the plunder was divided among leaders such as Cortes and his favorite officers. To compensate his disappointed, battle-hardened soldiers, Cortes gave them Indian towns Spaniards had subdued. The distribution of conquered towns institutionalized the system of encomienda, which empowered the conquistadors to rule the Indians and the lands in and around their towns. 27. Know what a joint stock company is and how and why it functions as a company whose stock is owned jointly by shareholders. Each shareholder invests in the company and is able to benefit from the business. Every shareholder owns a piece of the company, up to the amount that they've invested cash crop, tobacco, natural resources. 28. Know the Jamestown colony its successes and failures. The first permanent English settlement in North America, established in 1607 by colonists sponsored by the Virginia Company. Some of the failures are diseases starvation. Internal conflict failed to kick out Native Americans. 29. Know the relationship between Jamestown and Indians. The fort showed the colonists awareness that they needed to protect themselves from Indians and Spaniards. Spain planned to wipe out Jamestown, but never did. Powhatan's people, however, defended Virginia as their own. For weeks, the new settlers and Powhatan's warriors skirmished. English firearms repelled Indian attacks, but the Indians' superior numbers and knowledge of the wilderness made it risky for settlers to venture far beyond the fort distance between Indians and English grew. No marriage, no language Spain. 30. No the transition from a charter company to a royal company changed to a royal charter due to failures and tobacco assertions of royal control triggered colonial resistance that was ultimately suppressed, resulting in Massachusetts losing its special charter and becoming instead a royal colony much like the other English colonies in North America. King James I granted the Virginia Company a royal charter for the colonial pursuit in 1606. The company's plan was to identify profitable raw materials such as gold and silver in Virginia to repay the investors back in England. 31. No head right and its functions politically and socially the proprietors also offered head rights of up to 150 acres of land for each settler. A policy that eventually undermined the Constitution's goal of a titled aristocracy by spreading land ownership broadly among the settlers it was used as a way to attract new settler to the region and address the labor shortage. With the emergence of tobacco farming, a large supply of workers was needed. New settlers who paid their way to Virginia received 50 acres of land. However, most of the workers who arrived in Virginia were indentured servants, people who pledged to perform five to seven years of labor. 32. No tobacco and how it shaped the South politically and socially the European fashion for tobacco provided livelihoods for numerous white families and riches for elite planters. After 1,700, growing numbers of enslaved Africans were forced to grow tobacco in the Chesapeake and rice in Carolina. 33. No the indentured servants and why was it needed in the colonial system the indentured person agreed to work in the colonies as a servant for four to seven years lack of workers led to indentured. Indentures allowed poor immigrants like Anne Northwood to trade their most valuable assets, their freedom and their ability to work for a trip to the New World and a period of servitude followed by freedom in a land of opportunity. A planter expected a servant to grow enough tobacco in one year to cover the price the planter paid for the indenture. Servants labor during the remaining three to six years of the indenture promised a handsome profit for the planter. 34. No restrictions on indentured servants men and women few women deterioration of life woman could not marry and if pregnant had served extra years lack of families separation of class and education it was mainly dominated by men although female servants cost about the same as men and generally served for the same length of time planters preferred male servants because as one explained they were the more 
excellent anyasiful crechores for field work. Servant women hoed and harvested tobacco fields and did household chores, such as cooking, washing, cleaning, gardening, and milking. 35. Know the class system in the southern colonies and how developed colonists, like residents of European monarchies, accepted class divisions and inequality as long as they believed that government officials ruled for the general good? 36. Know the yeomen and their function in the southern colonies yeomen a free farmer who owned a small plot of land sufficient to support a family and worked largely by servants and a few family members. Indentured servants who satisfy their contract become yeomen farmers. 37. Know why colonists considered themselves superior to Indians and Africans the practice of coerced labor in New Spain grew directly out of Spaniards' assumption that they were superior to Indians. As one missionary put it, Indians are more stupid than asses and refuse to improve in anything, therefore, most Spaniards assumed, Indians' labor should be organized by and for their conquerors. Spaniards. 38. Know the conflicts between the southern colonists and government policies between 1640 to 1680 general, government enforced the difference between servants and masters with an iron fist. Poor men complained that neither the governor nor council could or would do any poor men right, but that they would shew favor to great men and wrong the poor. 39. Know the Navigation Acts and why they were instituted only trade with England. English laws passed in the 1650s and 1660s requiring that English colonial goods be shipped through English ports on English ships in order to benefit English merchants, shippers, and seamen. 40. Discuss the Bacon's Rebellion and why was it fought and against who? Discontent between yeoman farmers and the plantation owners and of course the major situation was land they were pushed up against mountain ranges they had very limited resources they could get more land but what was standing in the way was Native Americans. Major move from indentured servant to slavery the rebellion caused upheaval throughout Chesapeake politics and society, leaving in its wake death, destruction, and hostility between the great planters and their poorer neighbors. 41. Know the West Indies' role and early on in the southern colonies English colonies in the West Indies followed the Spanish and Portuguese examples and developed sugar plantations with slave labor. 42. Know the cash crops of Virginia and Carolinas respectively the crops they grew for export provided a livelihood for many, a fortune for a few, and valuable income for shippers, merchants, and the English monarchy. 43. Know the advantages and disadvantages of a slave system although slaves cost three to five times more than servants, slaves never became free slaves could be controlled politically. A slave labor system promised to avoid the political problems caused by the servant labor system, such as Bacon's Rebellion. The conditions were so poor that most slaves died long before they could have retired, and your master was the person from whom you most needed protection. That kind of slavery provided only cons for the slaves, lack of control over your life, forced separation from home and family, fear for what family members might be experiencing without your knowledge, excessive workload, mediocre food and in many cases sexual abuse and constant fear of brutal punishments. 44. Know the Reformation and its effects in England and the colonies Reformation abolished the Catholic Church in England and declared King Henry VIII head of the new Church of England. 45. Know the basis of English Puritanism in the 16th century its common goals and religious principles English Puritans petitioned for further reform of the Church of England. A religious reform movement in the late 16th and 17th centuries that sought to purify the Church of England of remnants of the Roman Catholic Popery that the Puritans claimed had been retained after the religious settlement reached early in the 
Reign of Queen Elizabeth I Puritans believed Reformation not far enough The Church of England still tolerated too much not well organized but set of beliefs content on abstaining from offensive features of Catholicism. Puritans were separatists with Draco. 46. Know the founding of the Mass. Bay Colony and the main differences between itself and southern colonies ailed to make profits barely keeping head above water but a state settlement minus 1,629 Puritan merchants managed to obtain royal charter. Self-government. Settle Mass New Hampshire, Varmint, Maine, and why reasons for success. Middle class, came with families unfined under God, community, education. 47. No 17th Puritan communities and its social order, rules, regulations, religion, strict conformity, etc. Puritans had no qualms, however, about their religious beliefs influencing New England governments. As much as possible, the Puritans tried to bring public life into conformity with their view of God's law. For example, fines were issued for Sabbath-breaking activities such as working, traveling, ice skating, playing a flute, smoking a pipe, and visiting neighbors. Comma, 48. Know the basis for the Salem trials which trials held in Salem, Massachusetts, signaled the erosion of religious confidence. From the beginning of English settlement in the New World, more than 95% of all legal accusations of witchcraft occurred in New England, a hint of the Puritans' preoccupation with sin and evil. The Salem court hanged 19 accused witches and pressed one to death under heavy stones. The Salem witchcraft trials displayed New England colonists' enduring belief in the supernatural origins of evil and their gnawing doubts about the strength of their faith. 49. Know the basis for conflict between Puritan churches and extremists. Puritans were English Protestants who were committed to purifying the Church of England by eliminating all aspects of Catholicism from religious practices. 50. No and Hutchinson and Antinomians and their conflict with the Church and the Resolution and Hutchinson, a devout Puritan woman steeped in scripture and absorbed by religious questions. She preached the idea that the only way individuals could be saved was by God's grace and choosing them to be members of the elect Winthrop and other Puritan elders referred to Hutchinson and her followers as antinomians. People who believe that Christians could be saved by faith alone and did not need to act in accordance with God's laws set forth in the Bible and is interpreted by the colony's leaders in 1638. The Boston Church formally excommunicated Hutchinson. The minister decreed, I do cast you out and deliver you up to Satan, banished. Hutchinson and her family moved first to Roger Williams's Rhode Island and then to present-day New York, where she and most of her family were killed by Indians. 51. No Calvinism and predestination and its role in Puritan life Calvinism believed predestination, only people who are predestined by God could be saved. No Puritans accepted Calvinism's strict adhesion to Bible and predestination which differed from Catholic 52. No, the conflict between Quakers and Puritans and how were the Quakers dealt with did not need Bible or preacher threat to Puritans. Women often took a leading role in Quaker meetings, in contrast to Puritan congregations, where women remained subordinate although they greatly outnumbered men. New England communities treated Quakers with ruthless severity. Some Quakers were branded on the face with a red hot iron with an H for Harry Sheet. When Quakers refused to leave Massachusetts, Boston officials hanged four of them between 1,659 and 1,661. New Englanders' partial success in realizing the promise of a godly society ultimately undermined the intense appeal of Puritanism. In the pious Puritan communities of New England, leaders tried to eliminate sin. In the process, they diminished the sense of complete human depravity that was the wellspring of Puritanism. 53. 
No, the basis of Quaker religion and the inner light. Quakers believed that God spoke directly to each individual through an inner light and that individuals did not need either a preacher or the Bible to discover God's word. 54. No, William Penn and his objectives in the New World Quaker colony in Pennsylvania led by William Penn born in England to wealthy family Penn's eyes. Good men staffed Pennsylvania's government because Quakers dominated elective and appointive offices. He wanted to find a place for the Quakers to live where they would be free from persecution. 55. Know the relation between Indians and Quakers. They lived in peace with Indians. They purchased land, respect their claims, and dealt fairly with Native Americans. 56. Know who governed the middle colonies and why they lost the colonies to England checks and balances, governor council and elected assembly freedom of religion. 57. Know what led to King Philip's war and explain what devastation the result of the war to the colonies was minus 1,675 Wampanoag attack Massachusetts destroyed 13 settlements and damaged war debt, hated Indians and would force them out, devastated frontier. New type of war guerrilla warfare war begun by Metacomet, King Philip, in 1675, in which the colonists finally prevailed after much bloodshed. 58. Know what the Glorious Revolution is and how it affected the colonies. England wanted a Protestant monarch and not a dynasty of Roman Catholic. It affected the colonies by the Puritans would no longer be able to persecute such groups as the Anglicans, members of the Church of England, and the Quakers. Religious freedom brings salutary neglect. When William III landed in England at the head of a large army, James fled to France, and William III and his wife, Mary II, James's daughter, became co-rulers in the relatively bloodless glorious empire. Rumors of the glorious revolution raced across the Atlantic and emboldened colonial uprisings against royal authority in Massachusetts, New York, and Maryland. 59. Know the relationship between France, settlers in New France, and Indians compared to the English and Indian relations. The French were very close to native Indians. They bonded closer than the English. They are doing a lot of trading which is first 60. Know the Jesuit relation with the Indians good bad. They start to convert Native Americans, saving quest souls they wanted to colonize. But essentially, this was about isolationism. That's what we talked about first. We talked about uh, the Paleo-Indians and the megafauna, and of course, the big die-off of the megafauna, which is going to be important for your test as well. We talked about the archaic hunters and gatherers. And then more importantly, we talked about the advent of agriculture. Right. And then we went over the Eastern Woodlanders and, of course, we finished up with Mesoamerica, you know, religious rituals, uh, Tenochtitlan, uh, the capital of the Aztec Empire, you know, some of the laws associated with that, uh, sacrifices and so on and so forth. So does anybody have any questions where we're going to be? Um, you want to the Native Americans and, of course, you know, it's not like we had historians implanted in this area during this time period. And even after conquest, it wasn't like they wanted to research Native Americans, right? They were just trying to get rid of them for the most part um, or push them westward or exterminate them, whatever the case may be. But uh, the way they kind of grouped them uh, was according to linguistic groups. And linguistic groups means languages, right? So Algonquin is one group, Iroquoian is the second group, and Muskegon is the third group. And the Iroquoian obviously are from the New York upper state area, Great Lakes region. Algonquin, there's kind of stretches a little bit more uh, eastward towards New Jersey, up in the Lenape, the Shawnee, a lot of those tribes. 
and the Muskegon were a little bit further south. So what's important to understand there is that, you know, they were very diversified, right? That within the Algonquin, we estimate that there was probably around 30 to 40 different tribes that were very distinctly separated, but they all shared one common characteristic, and that was language. So it's important to understand these linguistic groups when you're studying for the test, that that's how we group these Native Americans together. You know, uh, and some of that is changing now, um, but of course, we just don't have enough information much of a change agriculture can make to civilization. Because if you think about it, hunters and gatherers, all they do all day long is look for food, right? Uh, unlike today where we can just go to HEB or go to the, you know, Wendy's or go to your refrigerator, right? And you're okay for the most part, as long as you have uh, monetary means to keep you in food. I mean, it's not a big deal for you. You don't think about food all the time, right? Unless you're hungry. Well, imagine being hunters and gatherers where you had no origination of a substance that you could have at any point in time. And your daily or weekly fixation was trying to feed yourself for the most part, right? And you're victim to uh, weather, you're victim to drought, you know, all kinds of instances that could really decimate your population. So you think they have time to figure out writing or they have time to, to study religion or astrology or any of these notions? No. You know, they're, they're trying to maintain their way of life, which is very, very, very tough. Um, you know, these hunters and gatherers, especially archaic and Paleo-Indian, you were an old person if you hit 35, 40 years old. I mean, you were like ancient. So it just goes to show you how rough of a life they had. Now, the agriculture, when it gets there, then you start seeing a building of a foundation of civilization. But for the East of Woodlanders, they just got there too late, right? So that's why you have a lack of writing skills within these groups. So I think that was a long, that 15,000 year date where it is generally accepted that about 15,000 years ago, uh, humans, you know, migrated into North, Central, and South America, right? Um, that's just a common date that everybody can agree on. We know for sure, for a fact, 15,000 years ago, there were humans here in the Americas. Now, of course, if you do your own research, and I think your book's even updated a little bit, not much, but, you know, we have evidence dating uh, 18,000 years ago, 19,000 years ago, you know. So, um, again, that would be a generalized date that's widely accepted, you know, that nobody's going to argue with it. You know, if you pit 22,000 years ago, you're going to have about 50% agree with you and 50% not agree with you, right? So it's something that is still being trivialized even today. But just so you kind of get a feel of what date I may put on there, you know, that 15,000-year date would be something that would be adequate enough. But I really don't get it hardcore into dates when it comes to these tests. Uh, exploration in Portugal, which is going to be really important as well. The Colombian Exchange, oh, Lord. You know, make sure you know about the Columbian Exchange. And the Columbian Exchange is really um, an exchange of ideas uh, and material. That's really all it is. But we kind of focus more on the material um, exchange because it's still going on even today. I mean, think about COVID, right? Uh, if we were still alter ecosystems, that it, it really does challenge 
the populations that are there, and it alters populations that are there. Also, talk about the conquest of Mexico, which is uh, you know we kind of gloss over it a little bit, but uh, it's important as well. And of course, you definitely got to know about you know the conquistadors traveling all through the Americas and uh, the fact that they really you know lessen the resistance for English European settlers coming over because the population was you know basically hard hit because of the spreading of disease as these conquistadors were searching for gold and silver and nickel and natural resources that they were using to exploit in the new world. And then new Spain's important as well. The Incomita is really important and race relations, you know, how they established the Pensamadas, the Creos and the Mestizos, that's all going to be important as well. And then of course, Martin Luther, I know I talk about him, you know, he's definitely a, a a game changer when we come to European history, right? I mean, basically just crumbled away the Holy Roman Empire and set forth in motion uh, this notion of nation building that we know today. Because there were no nations back then. You know, I, I say Spain and I say France, but in reality, they were kingdoms. I mean, if you went back to the 17th century, 18th century, and say, hey, let's go to Spain, they would look at you like, I don't know what you're talking about. Or France. These were kingdoms, and they were aligned with the Holy Roman Empire, which stretches back all the way back to the 5th century. Companies, you know, how much we have to know about them. So when exploration first started, which is a good question for you, because, you know, when exploration first started for England, uh, the monarch, the king, the queen really didn't want to bankroll a whole lot of it. But... They saw that what was going on in Spain, right? That they were exploiting the natural resources and making a ton of money and expanding their empire, right? Um, you know, the imperialist age is starting right about now where they're really just, you know, gaining these large territories and expanding their empires. So the king and queen were watching this, but they were still doubtful on what they could do. So these joint stock, stock companies were publicly traded companies that had investors that actually got together, you know, got the money together and built the ship, uh, recruited um, uh, personnel that would go over there and start this uh, settlement. And hopefully what the joint stock company was hoping was to gain revenue from it, right? They were hoping for large returns. And as we find out, that really doesn't happen. You know, there is a different type of cash crop and that cash crop is going to be important to understand. It's going to be all over your test, like mentioned at least two or three times. Uh, cash crop is, is basically any natural resource that you could turn into a monetary gain. So that's going to be important to remember. And we go over several of them here. As a matter of fact, right there is the first one, tobacco, right? And I kind of talk about the history of tobacco. And, um, you know, it started eight, 9,000 years ago in Mesoamerica, right? It seems like everything was coming out of Mesoamerica. Uh, it was being cultivated, and then obviously it was picked up very quickly by Europeans, and it became uh, basically the habit of choice. And it, it was thought of as a wonder drug. It was thought of of many, many different things, and it, it just blew up as far as revenue is concerned. So a good crash, cash crop example would be tobacco, right? Um, unlike in the New Spain, where you have silver and gold being exploited and slave labor, um, which really is not existent too much in this area at this point. Uh, you know, cash crop, natural resources is what they're looking at. 
You talk about indentured servant, which is going to be really important. Look at all that green on there. It's going to be really important to understand indentured servitude because it was the prelude to slavery. But more importantly, it's really how the southern colonies really um, expanded their population in the southern colonies. Because without indentured servitude, uh, you wouldn't really have the population there. And they're always going to be lacking behind the northern colonies, right? And we talk about that in chapter four. So you definitely need to know about indentured servitude. Um, Bacon's Rebellion, I don't have a whole lot, maybe just one question, but I do want you to know that uh, it's often considered the first rebellion in the Americas, but, you know, essentially what you would think of it as is uh, discontent amongst those yeoman farmers that were the ex-indentured servants, really kind of battling it out. It was like a class war, almost, battling it out against the elite you know, the plantation owners. So that's going to be important as well. And then you have the shift from indentured servitude, which I go over pretty good in the lecture. You have a shift from there into a slave nation. And it's just up and coming, right? Uh, but of course, it expands uh, quite a bit after that. And of course, it, it's one of the main factors that lead towards the separation of the nation, right? Um, and of course, ending up in the Civil War. Northern colonies, talk a little about the Protestant Reformation, you definitely need to know about the Act of Supremacy, which really alters quite a bit in English history for the most part. And it really sets off a series of um, civil wars, which uh, take place inside of uh, England. And it, it creates like a, almost like a warring between the monarchs too. Who's going to be in control of England? Are they going to be uh, pro-Protestant or pro-Catholic, right? And every time there's a change in the monarch, uh, pro-Catholic, you know, it's going to have a direct effect on the colonies. And if they're pro-Protestant, it's going to have a direct effect on the colonies. So that's important to remember. Also about the Puritans, they're important. I don't spend a lot of time on the Mayflower and the Pilgrims because, you know, I'm pretty sure you learned about that in kindergarten, right? Uh, and, you know, you cut out the little turkeys and, you know, you did a little... Um, got with a big buckle and everything else, and I'm pretty sure that's shoved down your throat. I like to focus on the founding of the Massachusetts Bay Company, man. They're really where it's at, and they're really the ones who established New England. Yeah, the Pilgrims got there, and, you know, it's kind of an interesting story, but it kind of dies off at that. I mean, we're talking about the foundation and the building of Boston itself, right? So I really want you to focus on this bottom part, Reason for success, the middle class. This is why the northern colonies made it. They didn't have gold. They didn't have silver. And most importantly, they didn't have to go, right? So what do they have? Well, they have community. That's important to remember. They came over from essentially what we would deem as uh, middle class. But to them, they were uh, pretty well off in England. Uh, of course, they weren't filthy rich, right? But they had, you know, maybe they owned uh, a blacksmith shop or maybe they owned a cobbler shop where they pick shoes or make shoes, etc. So, um, you know, essentially that was part of the structure that helped make it very successful was you had very influential people coming over to the uh, New England colonies. Whereas in the Southern colonies, you had indentured servitude, which was the poorest of the poor, very low skilled labor. And of course, when they... Uh, met their contract, left out, and they were the ones who ventured into the backwoods of um, the southern colonies, unlike the northern colonies where 
you know, uh, people were educated, they had a trade, et cetera. They came with their families, right? Unlike the Southern colonies where it was mainly made up of males. They were unified under God. Their main mission was creating a utopia inside New England. Community was very important in education as well. So we also talk about strifes within uh, New England society, you know, conformity, the plan, you know, some of the crazy stuff that took place there, which you read right there. And then, of course, that's what was going on in New England is that a lot of people were, were, were under the impression that interpretation of the Bible was incorrect and they were actually arguing against it. So that's important. Also, I want you to understand about the economy inside of New England, because, again, they didn't have no tobacco, no rice, really no money. Uh, fish and fishing and shipbuilding and, and sailors and merchant became the economy there, right? And it would it, really work out for them in the long run, uh, because the North became very strong and very industrialized, where the South became this agricultural-based society, which a lot of people believe is what lost the Civil War for the South, right? So you can see how these are like the building blocks of things that we're going to talk about eventually. Then we talk about the Quakers, right? Quakers are definitely very, very cool, right? Uh, you know, when you read about them, especially during this time period, uh, because they were really uh, what would be considered like a cult nowadays. Uh, so we talk about how the Quakers, just by William Penn, right, uh, the luck of the draw that got uh, uh, absorbed into the Quakers and, and came in their full force, and luckily his dad, uh, you know, the king owed him all this money, which eventually led to the middle colonies being established by the Quakers. And in the ending, we talk about how there's a new enemy on, on the rise, and that new enemy is France. And that's important to remember as well, because France... Uh, and we're going to be talking about this in chapters 5, 6, and 7, and it even continues a little bit into 10 and 11, is that France is the mortal enemy of England. So you're going to hear a lot about conflicts between the two. So those conflicts often spill into the colonies.